0: So, join me officially to start this adventure. Let's head on over to Baggage Claim, grab our bags, and meet our bus driver. So, we're over at Baggage Claim 5. Let's run over there and grab our suitcases. Now, it's out through the automatic glass doors and into the land of Israel. Now, the first thing you might notice when you get out here is the dry heat. It is very, very dry. I'm from South Carolina, and when I made the flight and then stepped out into the land... I was stunned at the lack of humidity coming from a place where it's nearly 100% humidity 365 days a year, you could say. It is beneficial, though, in Israel that it's dry heat because when we go on some of our longer hikes, I've been on six- and eight-hour hikes, you're actually able to just stop under maybe a branch or, or, I guess, a tree, rather, and you'll actually get shade, and the sun won't be shining on you. And since we're in the desert, dry heat, it means that you get cooler. So we do have a benefit there. Oh look, here's our bus driver, Mikael! Everyone say hi to Mikael! Now I'd like to invite you to grab your seats, buckle up, and enjoy the view of the city Tel Aviv. So as we're driving out and you're looking around and maybe trying to stay awake, Tel Aviv has only really started to be such a bustling city in the last 100 or so years. Uh, Before uh, that point, Tel Aviv used to be a major trash, trash dump in Israel, which is really interesting. And most people probably wouldn't guess that, considering that now we all know about Tel Aviv and everyone wants to go there and the airport's there. But that is a fun fact about Tel Aviv. Now, as we're driving along, you're probably starting to see some of the signs at some of the exits along the road. Just like in the United States, where as we're driving along, we see exits pointing us to gas, sta- gas stations or restaurants or, or maybe even a historical site. Well, Israel has the same thing. But you're going to notice something a little different. The signs have three languages on them. There's English, which of course we all know, there's Hebrew, and there's Arabic. Now, Hebrew and Arabic actually have different alphabets that have to be learned first when you learn the language. So, for example, with Hebrew, the alphabet starts like this, Aleph, Bet, Vet, Gimel, obviously different from A, B, C, D. So it's a little different there. And furthermore, Aleph is a specific character that doesn't look anything like our A, Bet is a totally different character. Vet, Gimel, they're all different characters. So you actually have to be able to learn the characters first and how to pronounce them and how they all blend together before you even learn vocabulary. But I hope that all of you will be able to say, Ani mavina kitzit helrit at the end of this, which is, I understand a little Hebrew. And I hope you will be able to say that with confidence when we finish our time here in Israel on the virtual voyage. At this point, you may feel very jet lagged. But to help us get on the Israeli time zone, which is seven hours ahead, it's important that we spend the day touring. You know, when I first came to Israel, uh, well, actually, it was before we even got here, and I heard that my mom had planned a full day of touring for us after we'd been up for, what, almost 30 hours traveling. We got to Israel around 11 a.m., their time, and we were told we were going to travel for the rest of the day. It was a lot yeah, uh, like I said last time, there were young kids with us too. It certainly was a long day, and maybe there were some tears, mainly from the younger ones, but maybe some adults too. Uh, I will not confirm nor deny that. But again, it's seven hours ahead, so we want to make sure that so that we have the the most, or so we have the best time in the rest of the trip. We want to make sure that we get on the time zone right away. That's my methodology for that. As your tour guide, I hope you'll oblige. So we're going to spend about thirty minutes uh, driving now from the airport to the tomb of Samuel the prophet. Um, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. So Samuel, uh, just so we can get a little background on him, I'll tell you about him as we drive along. So as we know, Samuel was the first firstborn son of, of Hannah. We know that from, from 1 Samuel, where Hannah went to the priest Eli and, and Shiloh, Shiloh, as you might hear it called, and, and she wanted a son. And so she, she was begging the Lord for that, and, and Samuel was, was the son that God gave her. Uh, Samuel was a prophet for the Jewish people, like I said. He also helped transition the Jewish people from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. Uh, The Muslims, Muslims also venerate him. So his tomb is actually now the site of a mosque. And the mosque is built over crusader remains. Now, the crusaders played a key part in Israel. Uh, and we'll talk all about their history. And I, I have some cool little stories I'll share with you uh, there. So we have crusader remains. And then we also have a tomb, the, the, the tomb, what we, what we believe to be the tomb of Samuel, and the synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, under the mosque. So there's a lot happening at this site. All right, so Mikael is going to drive us up the hill at this point. We need to walk just a little bit farther so i'm going to invite you to get your hat get your water bottle get your phone for some great pictures and we're going to walk up the rest of the way we can do this you know as you get up to the top it might be hard for you to tell accuracy of, of what you're looking at there's jerusalem right out there as you can see but and it, it is a great view but but if you've never been here and you don't understand what you're looking for it can be a little complicated So, mainly I brought you up here because I want you to get a sense of what the land looks like. You can see how dry it is. We're in a desert. We're in the Middle East. You can see the various hills. It's really interesting, Jerusalem itself is on a hill. So, I mainly want you to be able to see what Jerusalem looks like, even though you might not be able to point out, oh yes, I know what that is, and I know what that is. I just want you to get a general sense of what this looks like. Like I said, Jerusalem itself is elevated. So when we actually go to Jerusalem, we are ascending to Jerusalem. So, so we, people who would go to Jerusalem, you know, hundreds of years ago and, and as pilgrims or even, even Jewish people, you know, they would ascend to Jerusalem. That was, that was the main phrase used. Um, there are different Psalms in the book of Psalms that we, we hear called Psalms of, uh, of Ascent. And so one of those psalms is Psalm 121, and I love this psalm, and I'm going to read it to you as a psalm of ascent now. Specifically, the priests would have said this as they were going up some of the steps to the temple, but I also love how it just, it just puts, a, puts in my mind that we are ascending to Jerusalem, and it's, it's, it, the words are just so beautiful. So let me read it to you. I lift up my eyes to the mountains, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a reminder of our Lord. My family actually memorized the psalm and said it right here on top of Samuel's tomb as we were overlooking Jerusalem, getting ready to ascend for the first time, just like you are right now. So now that you've gotten your first view of Jerusalem and you've been at your first sight here, which is awesome. That is amazing. Let's head back to the bus. So now we're going to drive the remaining 15 minutes into Jerusalem to our hostel. Again, super cool sights on the right and the left that you can look out at. But, oh, look at this. There's one coming up that I know everyone's going to be excited for and everyone knows about. It's the first view of the Dome of the Rock, that famous gold dome on top of the Temple Mount. And we will maybe even get to see that up close very soon. But as we're driving by, you're getting your first glimpse of that. Definitely take a picture if you want, but there will be plenty of, uh, of opportunities in the future. So Israel's streets are very small, and you're probably noticing that as we're driving along because, well, it's a crowded city. There's a lot of people living here. Um, Hundreds of thousands of people are all in this very, very small area, and cars are just struggling to get by and not hit people. and, And so, like I said, the streets are very small. And so we need to get out quickly here, out of the bus, because we're in the middle of the street. There is no parking for us, so we have to hustle. I'm just gonna have you wait a moment while I go in and make sure our rooms are set up and then I'll invite you in. Okay, let's head on in. Here's your room key. It is literally a key. So let's go see your room now. All right, if you're slightly horrified, that's okay. Uh, when I first went to the hostel, I was too. Hostel life is different. You're going to notice the two sets of bunk beds and some weird looking wall outlets. Now, Israel does use a 220 volt power supply. If you didn't bring a converter, I have extra, I will make sure that your phones get charged up for those great pictures. Uh, There isn't really furniture. Mm. The bathroom is unique. Now, If you were hoping for a nice vanity to do your makeup or to shave, you're not going to get that here. A mop is stored in the shower. Um, that is for mopping up all the water that gets everywhere because the shower is not partitioned off from the rest of the bathroom so uh, basically the bathroom floods and some of the room too oh i also should take this moment to tell you about breakfast it's included in the price you pay here uh, so that's a win but it's going to be totally different from anything else you've ever seen you're going to expect some fruits some cheeses uh, some deli meats some various types of bread you're also gonna expect some salads but before you start thinking about that Outback Steakhouse chef salad that you that you love with avocado and ranch dressing and bacon no the salads here in Israel are different it's either gonna be romaine lettuce uh, with some some olive oil drizzle or a very popular salad here Israeli salad which is chopped up onions tomatoes and cucumbers drizzled with some some nice olive oil and maybe some herbs delicious gotta tell you Also, at the hostel here, you do your own dishes, and you leave them clean for the person after you. Uh, Like I said, we're not in America anymore, so I guess you get used to it. But yes, after you finish eating, you will take the sponge, and you will put soap on it, and you will clean it out, and you will put it away. Like I said, it's hostel life. You might think a rest sounds nice, or after sitting on your bed where you feel more of the metal frame below you than the actual mattress, uh, you may not. But you need to stay awake. So to do that, let's take a small tour of the surrounding area and get dinner while we're out right here on the virtual voyage on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Oh, look, our hostel is right on Jaffa Street in Jerusalem. How convenient. Jaffa Street used to be the major pathway that one could take from Jerusalem to Jaffa. That's a port city about an hour away on the Mediterranean Sea from uh, we could take take a car and we could get there in just about an hour from where we're standing right now. Oh, all of a sudden, there's this annoying clanging sound. That is the Jerusalem light rail. It's essentially this collection of trains that run on tracks throughout Jerusalem, and they stop throughout the city. See, most people in Israel, and especially Jerusalem, don't have cars. Uh, this is because the sales tax can be even up to 100% sometimes or more. Obviously, Israeli currency is different than U.S. US dollars. Israeli currency is not the shekel, which is, I believe, about 30 cents, uh, give or take a little bit. Um, but let's speak in U.S. dollars, just so we can all understand. Let's say you bought a car in Israel for $20,000. Well, you could end up paying an extra 20000 in tax and have to pay $40,000 for a car that's only $20,000. Not to mention there's the issue of gas and tensions in the Middle East. So there's a lot of reasons why people don't have cars there, and that's why public transportation is so key. And the Jerusalem light rail is just great. It runs all the way up Jaffa Street. Uh, So you do need to make sure to get out of the tracks whenever you hear it. You'll see a lot of people walking through Jaffa Street and walking maybe in the tracks. If you're my siblings, you love to do that because you like to find money that people might have have dropped in the tracks. Of course, we had to get them out of the way when the train came. And we need to get out of the way right now, too. See, the operators do everything they can uh, to get us out of the way by honking and clanging the bells. And in an emergency, they will stop, or if you just really won't move, they'll stop for you then too. But you can get fined, and we don't need to end up at the Jerusalem jail tonight. Let's just avoid that. So out of the way, here we go. And we'll definitely take the light rail at some point while we're here in Israel, but right now there's no need. We have strong legs, we can do this. As the sun is setting, all of a sudden we hear these strange sounds coming from all over the city. And that's the Muslim call of prayer. The mosques play recordings uh, or have people singing live uh, of, these, of, these, of this call to prayer. The Muslims pray five times a day, and so one of the times they pray is right after sunset, and so that's what we're hearing right now. I remember being a little weirded out by the sounds uh, when I first uh, heard them when I was over there in Israel because they're a little bit eerie, but you get used to them. And now that you know what they are, that'll also help. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling super hungry. And I'm sure that you are too, because it has been a long day. Let's stop to eat here. Do you see the sign? It's a McDonald's. The McDonald's here are great. You know, I actually don't like McDonald's back home, but because of kosher kosher restrictions, uh, McDonald's here in Israel have to be very careful in the way they prepare their food. So like I said, I savor McDonald's when I come to Israel, and I'm sure you will too. As you're looking at the menu, you're going to notice that there are no cheeseburgers. You might be a little disappointed, and that's because of the kosher prohibition we talked about last week on the virtual voyage, um, that you have to wait six hours from uh, having meat to a milk product. So to abide by that, McDonald's does not offer cheeseburgers here, but the hamburgers are great. Slap some ketchup on that baby, and it is one solid hamburger. Well, dessert sounds fun, and they have good ice cream here at McDonald's in Israel. See. While the McDonald's serve ice cream, they have to make sure that, again, kosher restrictions are observed. And so the ice cream service station is in, like, this booth of sorts that's near the door of the McDonald's, but it's totally closed off from any meat. And because we want to get ice cream, we actually have to walk out of the McDonald's and stand in the street, and the booth operator's going to make us our soft serve, and then he'll pass it out onto the street to us. This way, the milk product is never around any meat. So as we step back out, you're going to notice a lot of Jewish families walking about. Many Orthodox Jews, like we have already talked about, have large families, right? So we're going to even see some of these Jews dressed up, just like at the airport, right? So these are Hasidic Jews, these Orthodox Jews who are wearing this formal uh, black uh, black hat and, and dressed in black. And that's, that's again, what we saw in the airport. So you have some familiarity there. All of the Jewish males have on these little hats, kippas, yarmulkes. They're these round circles that sit on top of uh, of the heads of Jewish men, is commanded in jewish law see they wear this because it reminds them of the lord's presence that's always over them it's a way that they show their fear of god and also show respect and and reverence for him whenever they they see whenever they feel it up there they are reminded that the lord's presence is always right over them you're going to notice that some kippahs are black some are colorful and this actually correlates to the jews sect which we're gonna discuss that more soon because there's a lot to get into and unpack there. But an Orthodox Jew is gonna wear a black one, a Reformed Jew might wear a colored one, and a Sephardic Jew might wear a knitted one. So there are all kinds of different styles, but they all have the same purpose, and that is to sit on top of the head and remind the person that the Lord's presence is over them. Now, all men, even if they aren't Jewish, actually have to cover their heads when they're in holy places. So if that's a synagogue, if that's a tomb, whatnot, So all the men on this virtual voyage trip, you'll soon be wearing kippahs in those situations, too. And you might either borrow a kippah from the holy site. Sometimes they have them there for you to borrow. Or you can actually just wear your own hat in, and that also suffices, just as long as your head is covered. Interesting note, you might have already picked up on this, but this is actually the direct opposite of the Christian tradition. If you think about going into a holy site in Christianity, we take off our hats when we're in in a church or another holy site. The Jews ask you to put on your hats and cover your head. So it's that, it's that distinction there. Uncovered head, covered head for, for males. And so it, we'll see that actually throughout our trip here and our time in Israel um, that honestly it's it's interesting to look at how the Jews and Christians are on opposite sides of the spectrum. So I hope that you'll be able to pick up on that, and this is the first real example I'd say that we that we see of this. Now you might also wonder why you see a bunch of younger Jewish children running about in the streets of jerusalem and i suppose if you only read and think of the news we hear in america about the middle east and about israel you might even suppose that jewish parents are negligent but that's not the case see israel is a very safe place not only are there israeli defense force soldiers and police everywhere that their presence there is very strong but the hand of god is over this unique spot in the world that's less than nine thousand square miles for comparison, think about the United States. It's 3.8, square, uh, 3.8 million square miles in area. Israel is 9,000 square miles. We have to recognize that God's presence literally dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem for a great length of time. And he does watch over the land he promised to his chosen people, the Jews. It goes back to Psalm 121, which I read earlier, but here's a section from it. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God does watch over this land, and God keeps it safe. He never slumbers, He never sleeps. He always has His eyes on on all of us. Right, we're all His beloved creation. But He made a special promise to the nation of Israel, and we see that, in the way, that well, we, well, we. I mean, we see that throughout Israel today, as we go over there and are able to walk around and and see the safety. Really, so like I said, Jewish parents do feel comfortable with their kids running about like such. It's not something they even have a qualm about. You know, my parents, when we first went, were concerned about this at first, and they made my siblings walk um, right beside them, and, and me too, and we all had to stay in groups, right? But it's amazing how as we were able to interact more with the culture, as you're having the opportunities to do now, my parents eventually saw how safe it was and let us go off on our own, obviously in groups, and it was, it was still safe, but they'd let us maybe go out to the market down the road and, and, and buy dinner, or they'd maybe let us go to the park. Because it is such a safe place, I feel comfortable doing that. My siblings feel comfortable doing that. And once you get in the culture and really get to experience it, you'll realize just how safe it is. You know, it was our first trip to Israel, that first introductory two-week tour that we had when we were walking home from dinner one night. Maybe it was a, a Thursday night or so. And we're walking back, and, and the streets are the streets are kind of dead at this time of, of night. Um, it was around 8 p.m., and we were, we were somewhere in Jerusalem where... There weren't a lot of people out. Obviously, there are people around, and and it's it's a busy city, so it's always bustling. But we had uh, the place to ourselves as much as you can expect in a busy city. All of a sudden, we hear all these people come up behind us, and we look behind us, and it's about 30 IDF soldiers, all with machine guns around them. It was a unique sight to behold. See, anyone in Israel who's a citizen has to actually serve two years in the Israeli Defense Force. And so because of that, these soldiers then were able to carry machine guns, and they were able to carry their guns, uh, guns with them and, and help. They, they were obviously trained, so they were able to help them with, with any safety uh, concerns that arose while they were out. Uh, only a few of them were dressed up in their military gear. Most of them were just wearing regular civilians' clothes, and, and they, but they had their guns with them. And so we stopped them. And we just started talking to them, and we're asking them a few questions and, and wanted to know more about Israel. And we actually got them to come over with us and and set up in front of this little little shop and we took a video with them. And here's what we said. The same sentence, go! Safest Place on Earth! So yes, we recorded with about 30 IDF soldiers. Safest Place on Earth. And that really is what Israel is. It is the safest place on Earth, in my opinion, and I've been there for now three months in total. Now I'm back over here with you guys, and I hope that you'll be able to see what a safe place it is, too, because that's a concern a lot of people have. But I'd like to welcome you to the safest place on Earth. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Virtual Voyage, the armchair travel show with me, Abigail, on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I hope you'll join us next time after we get some nice rest in our hostel and head out into Jerusalem to see the unforgettable sights that will change the way you look at history and the Bible. Frankly, they'll change who you are as a person. See you then!